0: Hi guys, thank you for listening. I'm Denise, a yoga teacher here at Onyx and the podcast host. Um, In today's episode, I'm interviewing a yoga teacher here, Jeff Lair. Jeff, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself?
1: Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Yes, I love teaching at Onyx and I'm delighted to assist in this podcast.
0: Awesome. Um, So Jeff actually teaches a unique style here at Onyx. Um, He is really our only Ashtanga yoga teacher. So I wanted to focus on that um, in the podcast today. So Jeff, can you provide the history on how this Ashtanga style came to be?
1: Sure. Um, There are some who uh, believe that this form of uh, yoga takes its roots in, in an ancient form, um, it's not really true. The form of Ashtanga that we practice now uh, really started in the 1940s um, by Putabi Joyce. And as you probably uh, know that uh, India was an English colony, so the English um, had their own saunas, they had their own gyms, and the Indian children were not able to do any form of athletics um, through any formal way. Patabi Joyce introduced this form of yoga to really get kids moving, to get children moving. Um, And it really um, became a practice for people to move, people to just move faster and and to do the kinds of things that the the Englishmen were doing in in gyms and saunas.
0: Wow, that's I, I never knew that. And I'm thinking because I practice ashtanga myself, and you know, with it being more on the rigorous side, it totally makes sense that this was helpful to kids because you know kids have so much energy that they need to get rid of anyway. Right. So that that's super interesting. Um,
1: and so, I, I, Patabi Joyce was one of three uh, people who took their. Uh, teaching, but who got taught by a a master called Krishnamacharya. And Krishnamacharya taught three masters. One was um, Desikachar, who is the father of Hatha Yoga. And then we have Ayangar, who was also one of his students who brought us Ayangar Yoga. And then there was Vatabhi Joyce, who brought in Ashtanga Yoga. And each one of them had their own way of doing things, and they had their own body type. And so, Batabi Joyce was like a wiry, you know, really athletic y- young man. And so, uh, he became the father of modern Ashtanga. Um, Ayaingar was a sickly child, and so his form of yoga was less movement, but more alignment-based.
0: Right.
1: So that's why Ashtanga is a fast moving, fast paced form of yoga. It's non stop.
0: Right. Interesting. Um, So, you know, if I'm a modern yogi wanting to take an Ashtanga class, what can I expect to get out of it?
1: Yeah, so um, you'll come to class and and there is no warm up. So I would suggest that the first thing you do is get to class a little early and just stretch a little bit because we get right into it. We go right into Syrian Namaskar A, right into Surya Namaskar B. There's five sets of everything, five breaths, for the most part, toward the end of the practice. There are, the breaths are longer because we're slowing down. But for the most part, we just move. We just start to move. You get to the front of your mat. You stand up. And we do the invocation and we move.
0: Wow. And what is the invocation? Is it more than just OM? Is it something... Okay. So I
1: start with OM and then I just tell people to just arrive because the next hour and 15, 20 minutes is their time. You know, how many times in our day we're doing things for other people, for family members, for our children, for our pets, whatever... For work, this is your time. This is your time. So you get on the mat, and, and you have really nothing more to think about than your practice. It's actually called um, the, and what di- differentiates it from other forms of yoga, it's called the Tristana practice, which means that you, um, the, the Ujjayi breath is the only form of breath we use. Your eyes are constantly open. You, you don't have time to close your eyes. Right. And, and the asanas, the postures, are different as well. So um, what you can expect is a fast-paced form of, of, of yoga. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to come in, I always say, if you want to start, and that's how I started... I didn't know what I was getting into until I started. And then when I started, I walked out of my first class saying, what was that? And then I just said, but I want to come back. I want to come back because I liked the structure of it. Right. It's a very structured practice, very rigid form of yoga.
0: Well, I can relate to that because I started practicing yoga with Bikram And, um, at the time I actually liked that it was always the same sequence because, you know, I started and I had never done yoga before and it was actually really interesting to see my progress, which I think is a little bit easier to feel and to measure when you're constantly doing the same thing. You know, it's not like you go one week and it's a certain set of poses and you go a different week and it's a different set. Everything's the same. So you can really kind of feel like you start to master it a little bit. Yes. You know, you start to know it so well.
1: Yes. It's, it's a more athletic form of yoga than, than and um, less free-flowing than other forms of yoga. Right. Very, very... Um, the sequence is always the same. The same postures, the primary series that we do. Um, it never deviates. So it's really how you come to the mat one mm-hmm. day, that day, that particular day, because you may be able to master that particular day, the, the standing postures, and then in the next practice, you just, you're just having a hard time with them. Right. So there's a teacher, my teacher was Ross Marshall, and he had this saying that this practice starts out really hard, and then it gets easier. Wow. And then it gets really hard <laughs> because you're, you're really trying to, to master the postures. Right. They never deviate.
0: Right. So it, it's kind of cool that it's not necessarily linear. You know, just because you go five times and you feel like you're doing very well with the postures on the fifth time doesn't mean that the sixth time is going to be easy. You know, right. you could arrive in a different space and a different kind of mindset or, you know, just depending on what's going on in your body or in your life. And it could be different. It's true. So.
1: It's true. Like, for instance, there's a posture called Utita Hasta Gustasana, which is, it's a balancing posture where you extend your leg, you come out to the right, you're on one leg, is firmly embedded in the, in the mat, you come back, you hold on to both sides of your foot, and your eyes are constantly open, you're focused, your drishti is at one point, and sometimes... You just fall out of it because yep. you just your balance is just off, and other times you just can get it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean that's that's what makes the practice kind of um, exciting in a way. You know, it's you have to constantly show up and focus and pay attention and not get too comfortable. That's right. what it sounds like.
1: But one of the things I want people to understand is that. Although it has ancient roots, um, it, uh, Ashtanga actually means ashto, which is eight, mm-hmm. and um, eight limbs. It's an eight-limb practice. The eight limbs really apply to all forms of yoga. Right.
0: Um,
1: but Tabi Joyce created Ashtanga yoga, where you, you practice and live the eight limbs of yoga um, in a really mindful way. Um, the, the eight limbs are the the yamas, the, the niyamas, the um, the asanas, the pranayama, the breath control, um, the pratyahara, the sensory withdrawal. Where you literally go inward, you just go inward, and it's just you and your mat, your breath, and your eyes. <laughs> and your body. And so, and then there's the, the, um, the, the dharana, which is the concentration or blocking out of distractions. I can't tell you how many times someone will come up to me after a class and say, did you hear that woman with her bracelets? And she was making all this noise. <laughs> and did you hear the water bottles? And I say, I really have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> because I'm so focused on my practice that that everything else is meaningless.
0: It's amazing. So that's it's amazing. Especially in the world that we live in where we are constantly distracted. It seems like it would be very freeing to go to a space for 75 minutes and just be focused on one thing. Right. One single point of focus.
1: Right. You really don't have time to think about much else. (laughs) Sounds great.
0: (laughs) Um so who do you think should come to an Ashtanga class? What's the ideal audience or you know, student for it?
1: So I would say that, that someone with a basic understanding of yoga, meaning that you've at least had some yoga training, um, you've gone to some yoga classes, you know what um, uh, breath is, you know how important it is. You know how to move a little bit. I, I would say that a beginner should probably stay away from Ashtanga for a little while. Um, I'm not dissuading them, mm-hmm. but I had one student come in and say, "This is my first yoga class," and I said, "You really should think about it. I'm not dissuading you, but, Yeah. but um, this is a pretty fast-moving class and and pretty advanced, so you may want to think about starting with a basic." Class, and then and then try and move on. I do offer modifications. I do offer adjustments. So there are certain postures, like Utita um, and which is the the balancing posture, very challenging posture, um, where I offer a modification because some people just it's just. Too hard to get into. Mm-hmm. There are some people. There is another posture where I just sit, say people go into Malasana because it's just um, the posture involves you literally um, resting your thighs onto your biceps, bringing your head down to meet your toes, and coming into kind of like a ball, um, wow. and then lifting then lifting your feet off the mat. It's a challenging posture. So I say, as a modification, just come into malasana.
0: Which is like a squat, a right? Squat, it's, yes. Yeah. Wow.
1: But um, I don't try to tell people not to do this. I say, if you, if you get tired, just go into child pose. Right. If you want to take a break, take a break. Right. This is not a pure mysore, and I'll talk about that in a minute. This is not a pure mysore class. Okay. And Mysore is where Patabi Joyce started.
0: It's a place, right? It's a place in India. Okay.
1: Yeah. And um, the Mysore, uh, the Ashtanga Institute is there now, and Patabi Joyce started it. He died, he was 99 years old, died about 10 years ago, and his son and grandson took over, and... The Mysore form of of Ashtanga is the pure form, but it takes years to get a certification from Mysore.
0: Wow. So
1: I don't have the ability, based upon what I do in life, I'm a, yeah. I'm a lawyer in my real life, to, to <laughs> take two years out of my life and just go to Mysore.
0: So you have to study in India to get that certification. Correct, correct. Wow. Yes, do so, you even know of any teachers in New Jersey that, or New York that there's are... There's one. Okay. There's one that
1: I know in Montclair um, who has a, a Mysore form of yoga. She was certified in India. Wow. Yeah. And then Keno McGregor, who is out of yes. Miami. She's it's kind of famous. Yes. <laughs> she, she was Mysore certified.
0: Wow. And I mean, Kino, I, I just see her on social media. She just has such an unbelievable physical practice. It's, um, you know, it's no wonder why she has so many followers, because <laughs> what she does is just amazing. I went know. to a
1: workshop in Montclair with her one weekend, and I was blown away by just her power, yeah. her strength, and her focus. It's just unbelievable. Yep. <laughs>
0: Wow. So, okay. So, you know, beginners, this class is not beginner-friendly, but it seems like it would be ideal for, you know, a student who wants to take the practice to the next level or even somebody, you know, there are people that really crave a challenging physical practice. Yes. And it sounds like this is a great fit. Right. So... I've
1: actually been asked by people, can you do more? Can you do more? Because they, they love how they feel afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, So, as I mentioned, from the beginning to the end, you are not, there is no rest. Your eyes are open, you're moving. You don't have to do all of the postures. And between the seated postures, I do a vinyasa, I do a flow. Um, Jump back, chaturanga, Upward facing dog, downward facing dog, walk through, jump through. That's between each seated posture, from the left side to the right side, you do a vinyasa. We do about fifty five chaturangas during the course of a of a practice. Wow. So it's it's a very um uh, your upper body certainly will get a workout. Right, <laughs> right. Like,
0: if anyone's listening that doesn't know what Chaturanga is, it's basically a tricep push up. Right. So, in addition to all of the other crazy things you do in Ashtanga class, you're doing 55 push ups. Right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Which is pretty awesome. Um, now, I'm curious, how did you get into this practice, this form of yoga?
1: Great question. um Let me tell you a little bit about my practice. I started um, yoga about 13 or 14 years ago. I had some lower back issues to the point where I couldn't even get out of bed. I was going to the chiropractor twice a week. Um, I was actually drinking to relieve the pain, taking pain medications and one morning I woke up I couldn't get out of bed and I just had um, to go to the I literally crawled to the chiropractor across the street and he just was able to let my legs at least move mm mm-hmm. and then I said I really have to change everything the way I eat the way I sleep the way I work the way I think and I started to do yoga and I started with something called power yoga at that time, mm-hmm. um, which is really kind of like a, a watered-down form of Ashtanga yoga, where you're just constantly moving. Um, but I didn't start Ashtanga probably till about three years after that. So, um, and then I've been, te- I've, I've been learning, training for about 10 years in Ashtanga yoga, but I've only started to teach it within the past two years, because I didn't feel comfortable enough teaching until I could master or understand fully the full practice. So I wouldn't teach it until I felt comfortable.
0: Wow. That's, you know, as a teacher myself, I find that it's super relatable because, you know, when I was in my yoga teacher training, especially in the beginning you know, you have your teachers on such a pedestal because they're masters at something. They've studied and practiced for so long and they're teaching something so profound and it's almost like, oh God, you know, will I ever be able to do this? Will I Can I do it justice? That's right. kind of how I felt. Like when I teach, I really want to give people what they are coming for and like I really want to do the service that I feel my teachers have done for me. Right. And it's... um. It takes a while to really feel like you can do it justice.
1: Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I, I just didn't feel comfortable teaching it until I knew for myself that I could do this. Yep. And um, people think that I just started teaching it when I got trained, when I got certified in my 200 hour training. That's just not true. I, I wanted to be ready to teach
0: right. stronger. And was your 200-hour training an Ashtanga 200-hour training, or was it broad, and then you just decided to narrow yeah. in on Ashtanga?
1: Um, great question. I, I did a broad form of, um, of teaching, of teacher training. Then I took an extra 100 hours of advanced training uh, here at this studio, actually, with Shannon, who was amazing. Oh, okay. And, and then um, I started... To really feel comfortable teaching Ashtanga, that's the only time I felt comfortable really teaching, wow. and um, it's been great. It's been great. I I, uh, I I've enjoyed the practice. It's my favorite form of yoga, obviously. Yep. Um, and as I said, you you don't. But I want I want to mention one thing to people, that is, I want to take the stigma personally, out of Ashtanga. I want to take the stigma that it's a club, that it's only for a certain group of people, that it's for really strong people, A-plus a type personalities. Mm-hmm. Not true. Not true at all. Um, it it it, it, it's, it is a rigorous form of yoga, but it is a form of yoga that, once you feel proficient in it, you come back and you can, you can refine the postures. You can always take breaks. It's not a young person's practice. You know, I was taught by David Swenson. I went to workshops with him, who is Mysore certified. And he's now in his 70s, and he's still doing Ashtanga. Wow. Yeah. So, Beryl Bender, um, also Mysore certified, so, I've taken all of their workshops, but and the one thing I've taken away is, it takes all body types, all kinds of personalities, you don't have to be, you know, 25 to do this practice, you can yeah. be, I'm in my 60s and I'm still doing it, and I'm doing it well, so.
0: Wow. <laughs> um. Just talking about some of the Mysore certified teachers, um, would you say that there is a noticeable difference between the Mysore style versus Ashtanga inspired, which is what we call yours here at mm-hmm. Onyx? Um, is, is there a noticeable difference there? Yeah, is there... that's a
1: really that's also a great question. The answer is that I do the entire primary series, um, so I do it as though I the way it was intended to be the way Puthabra Joyce intended it for it to be I do not do certain I take maybe one or two of his postures out of the primary series because I think they're too dangerous they're too they're too risky uh-huh. um, one of the postures that I'm talking about is literally your head is on the mat your back is arched and your toes are pointed and it's like you're in an arched position. I just think it's too risky. Wow. Um, and so also in that vein, I offer people to go upside down. My, yep. Ashtanga offers, one of the postures is, is, is headstand. Uh-huh. And it's actually 30 breaths upside down. Um, a true Mysore practice. I deviate from that and I do 15 breaths. But I also tell people to come into Dolphin, which is where you have your head on the mat and your head, your hands are in triangle, you put your hand, head down and then you bring your feet forward.
0: So you have so the support of your forearms and your head. Yes. Got it. Okay. So
1: I, I tell people either that, uh, either Dolphin or if you have an experienced, and I say only if you have an experienced headstand, come into headstand. And the same thing with Sarvangasana or a shoulder stand. Yep. I, I tell people lie on your back, put your legs up in the air if you don't feel comfortable in shoulder stand because of neck issues. Mm-hmm. So I offer modifications, and that's the difference between a Mysore class. Mysore, Patabi Joyce, or any Mysore teacher would never let you do that.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's, yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't sure, you know, what the other differences were, but it seems like the Mysore teachers are, vi- are purists. Purists. You know, they really they yes. don't really want you to do a modification, they want you to do the pose.
1: Actually, Patavi Joyce, um, in, when, in the Ashtanga Institute, when he was teaching and his son and grandson now, if you don't master a posture, you go back to the back of the line, and then you have to get it right. It may take you three months right. to get that posture until you get it right.
0: Interesting. Yeah, so it's
1: very, very rigid. Okay. Um, my class is a little bit rigid, but it's not my sort. Yes. You won't be
0: sending people to the back of a line. No. no, 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 no. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so you mentioned that you trained with your teacher, Ross, uh, and that you've been to other uh, Mysore-trained you know, teachers. But do you have specific teachers that you say are your greatest influences?
1: I would say Ross Marshall was my greatest influence. Wow. Um, he would come in, and I've taken my lead from him. You stand at the mat, and he was not shy about saying, you know, I'm going to make this a really watered-down form of practice. He would just get in there, do the practice, and, um, and, and instruct and adjust, which I loved, the fact that he would come and open me up a little bit.
0: Physically adjust. Physically
1: wow. adjust. Now, some people don't like to be touched, and I always say this. Mm-hmm. I say, if you don't want to be touched, I'll honor your request. But I do adjust. Come by you, and let's say you're in Parsifal Kanasana and I will open you up a little bit. And if you don't want to be touched, you can just say, please don't touch me.
0: Yeah, (laughs) no, thank you.
1: Yeah. So he really was a great influence. He got in, did the practice. If you couldn't do it, meaning that it was just not for you, you he just never came back, yeah, and so sometimes you would have ten people walking into a class, and then the next class there would be three, um and he was just this is the way it is, this is this is the practice, Yep. wow, never tried to water it down, and that's I, great. I've taken my lead from that
0: that's awesome, <laughs> um. Getting back to what we talked about before, how you started practicing yoga because you weren't feeling good physically and maybe mentally too, Um, how has practicing Ashtanga yoga influenced your daily life off the mat?
1: Um, In a huge way. Yoga in general, but Ashtanga particularly, has allowed me as a lawyer, as a person, to focus more. My secretary will come in sometimes and say, there's all this noise going on in the office. How do you just sit there and get stuff done and get it right? And I say, I don't even hear it. I don't even hear what's going on. I'm so focused on what I'm doing. Yoga has changed my life in so many ways, and that's one of them. I'm able to focus. I'm a better lawyer than I, I was before because I can think clearly, I can focus, and I take a breath before I respond. I, I don't yeah. know how important you, you may think, but for a lawyer to be able to take a breath is really important. Yeah. Before, <laughs> most before them, you react. <laughs> most of them just think they know everything, um, and they're very, their egos... I actually got a tattoo on my arm of Shiva, and one of the things that drew, drew me was that Shiva is suppressing the ego, so um, I try not to be, I try to be humble in my practice and listen to what my clients say. Um, being a good listener is from yoga. Wow.
0: I mean, that's, that's huge. Um, <laughs> that is so beyond the postures right like it, it's it's one thing to master master a physical posture and feel great about it but it's another thing to actually have this practice you know influence your out, your life out of the studio in such a profound way um,
1: there is a saying that uh, Iyengar wrote in his book on uh, called light on yoga which is a famous book that most Yoga teachers that are going through training go, and I'm going to just read the words um, because it so has had such a, an influence on me. Um, the yamas and niyamas, the yamas, the the code of ethics that we learn as yoga teachers: how to eat, how to sleep, how to go to the bathroom, how to um, the things you're not supposed to do. Um, I'm going to just read the quote. It says, "Without firm foundations." a house cannot stand. Without the practice of the principles of Yama and Niyama, there cannot be an integrated personality. The practice of asanas, or the postures, without the backing of Yama and Niyama, is mere acrobatics." And, and that's really true. You have to just... It, it, coming to a yoga studio, doing an Ashtanga practice, doing any form of yoga, it's not just the postures. It's a whole lifestyle. It's everything. It's meditation. It's breath control. And the lessons you learn here, you take off the mat. It's had a profound influence on my life.
0: Wow. Well, thank you so much. Um, I could not agree with that quote more. And um, I do hope that, you know, our listeners got a better idea of what the practice of Ashtanga Yoga is, but also, you know, who you are as a person and as a teacher um, I just I found your responses to these questions super inspiring. So thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Yep. And um, Jeff, when do you teach your Ashtanga class?
1: I teach. I don't say seven forty-five in the morning on Sunday. I say a quarter to eight because it sounds better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Don't be afraid of the time. Seven forty-five a.m. A. A. a quarter to eight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then I teach five forty-five on Monday nights.
0: Cool. Okay. Well, thank you. We hope to see you guys at Jeff's Ashtanga class at Onyx. And, yeah, have a great day. Namaste. Namaste.